everybody. Welcome back to Looking for the Real God. This is Christy Lynn Wood. It's all part of God's plan. Today, let's talk about how we use this Christianese phrase to bypass anything and everything, while at the same time basically saying nothing. You guys have given me some really great phrases over the last few weeks. Today's phrase actually comes from my husband. I was asking him what his most hated Christianese phrase was, and this is the one that just really popped into mind right away. And I was like, oh yeah, that's a good one. The idea that it's all just part of God's plan. We can use that statement to bypass just about anything. From tragedy, abuse, to losing or getting a new job, we can use it to like deal with things that we're like, oh, it's just all part of God's plan in the way that good stuff is happening. Or we can use it to like make up what we think we wanted, but we're kind of trying to pretend that it was God in his way of dealing with things. Oh yeah, it was just part of God's plan that I did that. Like, no, no, not always. We use it to bypass just horrific things we don't have to deal with and just trauma in the world. And it really is a terrible, terrible phrase. Because it makes it sound like everything that happens is somehow part of God's perfect cosmic plan for the universe. And there's a lot of really awful things out there. And there's a lot of issues with this phrase. Because are you trying to say that death and tragedy and trauma and abuse, etc. are all somehow a part of God's cosmic perfect plan? It makes it seem like we have no choice. That it all kind of just happens somehow. There's no actual responsibility anybody's part because, well, it was part of God's plan. And it's really missing empathy and lament and brokenness over the hard stuff in this world. And this is one especially that gets thrown around as a part of this bypassing thing, where we use a spiritual phrase to just bypass having to deal with difficult emotions, difficult situations, things that don't really have a clear or good answer. It's a simple answer without actually dealing with anything. And that's really a problem. I think it's very interesting because this phrase might seem great when the trouble is over there. When the trauma, when the hurt, when the brokenness, when death and loss and abuse is over there. Then you can say from your safe little corner, oh, it's all part of God's plan and feel better about life. But is that going to be a good answer when it's your death and your trauma and your abuse and your junk that you're dealing with, your pain? you're going to quickly realize that it is a meaningless answer, that it causes more hurt than it causes help. And it's really not something that makes you feel any better about the pain that you're dealing with. There's no roots. It's shallow. When we believe something so quickly like that, when we don't wrestle with questions, when we don't deal with the fact that some of our questions don't have answers, don't have good answers, Our faith is just very shallow, very meaningless. It's almost like I'm putting my head in the sand and I'm avoiding this issue that I can't understand, this thing that just is too much for me. I'm just going to say it's part of God's plan and, and move on. So here's the deal. The Bible is full of scripture verses that talk about God's sovereignty. The fact that he is all knowing, all present, all powerful. And so it does seem to say that everything that happens in this world is something that God knows about. 
that he could have stopped, that he could have changed. So where do we deal with this? How do we come to this place of like, does God actually have this perfect cosmic plan that he's working out? Is he doing the evil things that we see? And if he is, then how does that make him good? Is he standing back and not doing things when he could? Then is he really all powerful or all good? Does he just not care? Is he distant? Is he actually all present? Guys, these are some big things we have to wrestle with. And when we just use a phrase like it's all just part of God's plan to not have to deal with these things, to not have to wrestle with them, it leaves us really empty and shallow, and we don't have a faith that is actually meaningful. We are just throwing around a religious phrase that sounds good, it makes us feel good for a moment. Like I said, when the trauma and tragedy is over there. But when it's our trauma and tragedy, we will quickly discover just how meaningless and impotent this phrase really is. So how do we deal with the fact that God is all these things? I want to read you guys some scripture verses. I actually have quite a few of them. It's the idea of sovereignty. Is God actually sovereign? Is he actually in charge of everything? And what does that look like? So the first one is one of my favorite verses, dealing with my own tragedy and loss. God is not up there saying, oops, didn't see that coming. Or, oh, bummer, sorry that happened. In his sovereignty, he is in control. And this is from Isaiah 45. And God is talking about how he's going to use King Cyrus to do the things that he wanted done. And this was a king who came in and took over Israel, Jerusalem, and he was a Gentile king. And yet God is talking about how he's going to be using Cyrus and doing things through him that he needed to have happen, even though they weren't always good. And he says, I am the Lord and there is no other. I form light and create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. And so there is a sense that God is in this brokenness, that he's not distant, that it's not an oops when the bad things happen. And yet we have to wonder to ourselves, does he actually cause them? Is it something that he wanted to happen? And how do we wrestle through this? How do we, is he actually good? Is he actually all powerful? Why would he allow this horrible stuff to happen? I want you guys to look at Jeremiah 32, 17. God is talking to Jeremiah this time, another prophet. And they are talking about things that are happening in Israel and certain people, a guy named Baruch. And as they're talking about the things that are happening, Jeremiah just steps in and he says, Ah, Lord God, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. You show steadfast love to thousands, but you repay the guilt of fathers to the children after them. O great and mighty Lord, whose name is the Lord of hosts. And he goes on to talk about how God rescued the Israelites from Egypt, how he brought them through the wilderness and gave them a land of their own. And yet here they are back in a place of captivity. And even in the Old Testament like this, we find this tension. Here's God who can do anything. He is all-powerful. Nothing is too hard for him. And yet, even in the story of the children of Israel, you see this tension. 
where he allowed people to be broken and taken over. And even though he could have stopped it all, but he allows the tragedy to happen. Psalms 115.3. It says in the beginning, 115, we're actually going to read 1 through 3. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory. For the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. Why should the nations say, where is their God? Our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. The idea like there's nothing that God can't do. And he will do whatever he wants to do. Colossians 1, 16. Talking about Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Guys, it's so crazy how we have this just tension. Like he is the one doing all these things. And yet he also steps back and allows us to do our thing. And yet he still is able to use all of that brokenness for good. It's just this place of tension. Like, it's not that we have no will or no responsibility because that's very clear in scripture as well. There is responsibility and there are consequences for our actions. And there are things that he allows, even though he does not love the pain. It talks about how much God hates sin. He hates sin. He hates the effect of sin. He hates the brokenness that we have to deal with because of sin. And yet he sits back and allows us to make our choices and to face the consequences of our choices. Even at the same time, he is using the bad things to redeem. Like He is redeeming the bad things at the same time. And so there is this tension and this paradox, and it's not perfect and easy and clean. Romans 11 is the last one I want to look at. Romans 11, 33. I'm going to move up to verse 30, and then we'll move down. It says, For just as you were at once time disobedient to God, but now have received mercy because of their disobedience, So they too now have been disobedient in order that by the mercy shown to you, they may also now receive mercy. For God has consigned all to disobedience that he may have mercy on all. Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unscrutable are his judgments and how unsearchable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been a counselor or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. It's so crazy. They're talking about the salvation of Israel and how God worked through Israel and then he came to Israel and there was a lot of rejection that happened. And then God opens up his family to the Gentiles. There's so much of this that we don't understand as 21st century American people. That's totally amazing if you take time to dig into what this really talks about and what it really means. And the whole idea of like God allows us to be disobedient so that he can show us mercy, that he's crazy, basically. The depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments, how inscrutable his ways. Like he's, he doesn't make sense. He's crazy. He's nothing like us. And so there's this, once again, place where we have to end up at. We realize God is different from us. He is bigger than us. He sees things differently than us. And there are certain realities that we can grab onto and like, yeah, this is true. And there's other things that we kind of have to like hold this weird tension and be like, I think it's both and. 
This is not a black and white situation where it's like, yes or no, this or that. This is like a both and thing. Like it doesn't make sense to me, but I'm going to hold them both in tension, even though they seem to be opposites. How can God be good and all knowing and all powerful? And yet all of this horrible things happen. And so there is a core of truth in the whole thing of it's just part of God's plan. And yet that statement is so insensitive and unkind and should not be used. And so we sit here with this idea that God is completely in control and can do whatever he wants and yet allows the brokenness to happen. This reminds me of some of the things we've talked about in this series. And somehow we have to sit here and realize, I don't get it all. I'm not going to get it all. But I believe in a God who is good enough to become one of us, to come and live in this brokenness, to allow himself to be betrayed, rejected, crucified, tortured, killed, so that restoration is possible. I don't get it all. I don't plan to get it all. When I die, I am still going to have many questions. But nothing else makes sense to me. And I've experienced the goodness of God in the middle of the pain in this world. And so I'm okay with sitting here in this place of tension. We think about the brokenness that we've seen in our world just in the last few weeks. And we can ask these questions, you know, where was God when this mass shooting happened? Where was God when this pastor was abusing a 16-year-old girl? Where was God when cancer strikes and there's no cure? Where is God when my marriage falls apart or I lose my job unexpectedly or inflation is to the roof and I can't afford the things I used to be able to afford? And the only thing I can say is that God is where he's always been. He's with us. And for some reason unknown to us, he has allowed the brokenness in this world to continue since the beginning of time. And he stepped into the brokenness and he became one of us and provided a way of escape and says he's coming back to rescue us forever. I don't know, guys. I don't have a good, solid answer here. But I believe in the goodness of God. I believe in his ability to even work through tragedy and difficult circumstances. I believe in his ability to redeem the pain and brokenness in our lives. And I'm okay with not having a complete good answer. And it's not an easy place to come to, not an easy place to be, but it's something that works for me. Like these pat answers and these quick responses, they don't work anymore. They don't work. And yet, at the same time, I'm not okay with the whole idea of there not being a God or that he's not he's not involved, he's just saying he doesn't care because that doesn't line up with what I read in the Bible and it doesn't line up with what I've experienced. And so I sit here and I hold these truths in tension, that the world is broken, that there's all kinds of just pain that comes because of our sin, because of the brokenness in the world, and that God is still a God of love and power and presence. And that's where I land on this one. So the idea that God has this perfect plan and everything that's happened is according to his plan is shallow and meaningless and a statement that should not be used. And yet we have a God who never leaves us, who knows exactly what's going to happen, has never been surprised, never will be surprised, and is good. And it doesn't always make sense, but I'm okay with that. Curious to hear your thoughts. 
It's okay to be angry and upset and frustrated and let God know about that. It's okay to not get it and to let him know about that too. He's not expecting us to be perfect and have all this faith. Like It's okay if we have doubts and questions. And the Holy Spirit will walk us through that and will speak peace and wisdom to our heart and help us understand what we can and give us peace to accept what we can't. But I do recognize that this is kind of the place where people leave sometimes. It's just too much. And they're like, yep, I need a better answer. And this is where I just say, well, I'm the creation. He's the creator. And I'm going to try to understand what I can. But in the end, I'm just going to trust him and be okay with not having everything perfectly figured out. It's not an easy place to be. Living in the world of gray and not having good solid Christian needs answers is not easy. But I do think it's good. Not comfortable? This is why I call it the awkward middle way. It's not comfortable. It's not easy. It's not predictable. It's very gray. Very fluid. Full of tension and paradox. But I like it here. And I hope you do too. Thanks for listening, guys. Until next time, keep searching. If you enjoyed this podcast, I would love to have you join me over on my website at christylynnwood.com. For more content, free resources, and opportunities to connect with a community of people who are looking for the real God.